Why We Love Spotify Wrapped, the fall of beloved New Zealand label Lonely Lingerie, and our favourite rom-com recommendations. You're listening to Media Slashies Maggie and Jasmine, and this is our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Turbal and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Maggie, I have to ask you, what was your top song of 2020? What a great question. Like a simple question, right? I wish I could tell you the name of the song because I literally will like do not know. It's by Chopin. How random is that? <laughs> Should I try and pronounce a name? Yes. Can you play a snippet? We'll insert a clip now. It is called Nocturne and Me Metal Major Overs 9 Number 2 Ballad. Sorry, like the scrolly bit of the Spotify is taking a while. Ballad and Soul Manure. It's still going. It's still going. Oh, my God. Number 1. Number 1. What language is that supposed to be? It sounded like similar. <laughs> that was supposed to be French, I think. <laughs> I did French for three years as well. That was tragic. Let's not go into details. You just butchered that. (laughs) I hope no French people are listening to us. Imagine. They're like, what are you doing to my language? What about you though? I'm guessing it wasn't Chopin. It was not. Um, My number one song of 2020 was OK by Wallows, which is my favorite band. Mm. So it makes sense. Posted a bit on my Instagram story. The lyrics of the chorus are, can we get up? and try to feel okay again Aww. and I just listen to it like over and over <laughs> and much but it's like a really happy song yeah. it's like a pop song okay so that was number one and then my number one from last year only moved to number two which was by the same oh band God. are you bored yet by wallows and claro and then obviously 1975 sprinkled throughout but I love spotify wrapped I love like getting your data handed mm. back to you on a platter and you're like, thank you for telling me who mm-hmm. I am. I feel like that's a very much like a Gen Z thing. Like we love horoscopes and Maya Briggs personality tests. We like ourselves confirmed in like numbers and structured things. Totally. Yeah. I definitely felt, what's the word? Like seen or, yeah. Yeah. I guess I felt seen. My friend Emma was like, I love that I feel so seen by an app that's literally just spouting my own data back at me. Like, (laughs) thank you. Well, there's been so many funny Mm -hmm. memes. Some favorites were like, oh my God, I love all of these songs. Me to my Spotify rap. I was just going to say that. How good is it? Another one that was going around was people get mad when you post about about your Spotify rap, but then they post pictures of their baby. (laughs) (laughs) Savage. Um, No, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion anymore, but like I love seeing people Spotify wrapped as a little insight into their brain. Like I'm quite secretive with my music when someone's like, chuck something on. I'm like, oh my God, like I cannot. Really? (laughs) I refuse. I'm like, I don't want to be judged. (laughs) I also, again, shared another meme on my story like a week ago that was like this 
this account is a safe space for Spotify raps. Like I will cherish, mm. I will read your Spotify rap, like Aww. your top artists, and I will mm. think about what that means to you and all that. It's so true because music is so personal and it's like a little snapshot into someone's soul. So I love it. Even people that I'm like acquaintances with on Instagram, I was like, oh, what have you been listening mm. to this year? Who are you? But some people, like some friends of friends, were sharing Chris Brown. Oh, like, no. Advertising that in their Spotify rap, owning the fact that they're listening to Chris Brown in the year of our Lord 2020. What? Ridiculous. Speaking of Spotify wrapped, we would love to give a huge thank you to everybody who shared and posted us in their Spotify wrapped. That was so sweet to see. People have been actually listening to this podcast and um, so much so that it lands in the top five. So that meant so much to us. Yeah. And especially because we've technically only been like making episodes for like four months now and seeing us, you know, still at the top of people's list was so heartwarming. So thank you very much. So in news that isn't an app shouting our data back at us, um, some really heartwarming news this week was, of course, Elliot Page coming out as transgender. Yes, so Elliot Page is an actor that's been in, I can't believe no one's saying Juno. I feel like Juno is his main role. Everyone's saying, um, what's that fantasy one that's with the kids? Umbrella Academy. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but my sister Neither, won. neither. No, I loved him in Juno, so that's how I know him. Me too, me too. Oh, and um, Whip It, the roller skating movie. Ah, Have you seen that? I don't, yeah, I love that movie, but I don't really remember yeah. any of the characters. <laughs> Andrew Barrymore, Chris Newitt, it's a really good movie. So, yeah, he has been in quite a few movies and, like, indie movies over the past 10, 15 years. So I think coming out in 2020, especially with social media and stuff, was a very brave move. So I felt really proud of him. Yeah, the letter that he penned for, like, his social media accounts was really great and really heartwarming. Um, And, of course, you know, I think we both saw lots of positive responses in our little echo chambers. But then when you accidentally open up like seven news, like news section or whatever, and to see all the boomers going at it and like not understanding, it's, I mean, it's almost expected, but let's hopefully that fades out in the future when it becomes more normalized. Totally. But I feel like I saw so many positive comments about this which more than I'd seen in the past when people have come out as transgender before. No, but that's so true because I think like one of the other recent-ish celebrity coming out stories was like Caitlyn Jenner. Mm. That was not received well. So I just think that, I don't know, like four years down the track or however long it's been, um, yeah, there has been a shift. Yeah, definitely. So I we wish him all the luck with that. I mean, I'm sure he's listening to a podcast in Australia. <laughs> that was some really heartwarming news this week. And our favourite guy, Harry Styles, who we actually really tried hard not to include on our Instagram feed this week. It was very difficult because he like released all these thirst trap photos from these gorgeous photo shoots. But what a babe. A few weeks ago, we chatted about Harry Styles' Vogue cover shoot, which broke the internet. And he copped a lot of, um, obviously, a lot of positive press and people fangirling over it. But he also copped some criticism from Republicans and conservatives, namely Candace Owens, who's an American Republican. She was all over Twitter saying, bring back manly men. Men need to have masculine role models, blah, blah, blah. 
you've probably all seen it. And one thing to add to that, it was so weird. She was like, men in the East understand. I'm like, no, that's not how it works here as well. Like um, matriarchy is such a big part of a lot of the Eastern cultures and, you know, um, even just like the fashion of like traditional dress, you know, it, it's kind of like a dress style for men as well. I was just like, hey, what are you talking about, Candice? Yeah. Anyway, continue. So Harry was silent for probably a week, 10 days, and then he posted on his Instagram once again wearing a blue suit um, with a banana between his lips and in this caption he said, bring back manly men. So Harry Styles is officially in his reputation era. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. He is clapping back. So that was big dick energy, I think. Mm-hmm. I just love it. He's always very cheeky. I feel like it's very kind of on brand for him to respond in this way. It's nothing like, you know, he didn't do a massive paragraph. It's just a cheeky little caption and we love him for that. And he also um, continued poking fun at conservatives when one of his collaborators, Kid Harpoon, posted a photo from a Variety Award nomination with the same caption, Bring Back Manly Men. And then in the comments, Harry was saying, stop the count and fake news. (laughs) So poking fun at Trump, poking fun at American Republicans, just going for it. So good for him. Good for him. Also, did you see the pictures from the movie set? Yes. Oh, him in the, in the suit, suit, like a little like tight suit. And he's got like the face. He's like kind of squinting at the sun and he's just such a beautiful boy. <laughs> that is going to be like the biggest bisexual panic for so many people. <laughs> going to see that movie. It's like Florence, Harry, Florence, Harry. It's too much. So you've probably heard of Lonely Laundry before. They're a very aesthetic, body positive and ethical um, label and they're known for their feminist messages. So they started in 2009 by co-partners Helene Morris and Stephen Ferguson in New Zealand and the brand took off. Celebrities like Alexa Chung, Gigi Hadid, Hayley Baldwin, Kim Kardashian, the Jenna sisters, Petra Collins, Dolly Alderton, Lena Dunham and more have all worn lonely. So very much aimed at the millennial Gen Z audience. You've probably even seen the imagery floating around on Instagram. It's very much that very beautiful film aesthetic. They really try to, they say they try to not sexualize the female form and they really focus on the female gaze. So you've got all these beautiful film photos of differently sized women and different ages and different ethnicities, etc. But that all came to a crumble this year. So the article goes into the background of Lonely Lingerie, but it also talks about co-founder Steve Ferguson, who has been posting extreme QAnon conspiracy theories on his personal Facebook page. This includes saying climate change is fake news and suggesting that Jacinda Ardern planned the Christchurch terror attacks that killed 51 people. His partner and co-founder Helene also posts similar conspiracy-riddled content, but it's not considered as intense. Yeah, it was a very interesting article that exposes a lot behind such a aesthetic and aspirational brand. So for those who aren't familiar with QAnon, we're going to dive into it a bit here. It's it's a lot to unpack, so <laughs> bear with us. So The Guardian describes these wide-ranging and baseless internet 
conspiracy theories as a cabal of Satan-worshipping Democrats, Hollywood celebrities, and billionaires that run the world while engaging in pedophilia, human trafficking, and the harvesting of a supposedly life-extending chemical from the blood of abused children. Yeah, it's very full on. And there's so many like little strings. It's like the meme of the guy at the whiteboard. Like there's so many strings go through it. And yeah, it's ridiculous. But you, the most famous one is probably Pizzagate that has come out again this year. So Pizzagate references the conspiracy theory that went wild in 2016, where the email chains of the Clinton campaign manager, John Podesta, were actually a secret code for child trafficking ring. So they were referencing a pizza restaurant in Washington and the names of different things on the menu were considered like code for child trafficking and pedophilia, etc. So that culminated in a shooting by a man who traveled to the pizza restaurant thinking that there were children who needed to be saved in the basement. And obviously it wasn't real and he ended up shooting up a pizza joint so that's probably the most famous one and also shows the consequences of when conspiracy theories can get out of hand it would almost be funny and it's easy enough to just kind of laugh off QAnon if it wasn't so serious and it is kind of having a global moment and even you know thinking about Pete Evans and other sort of conspiritualism people in the space at the moment who have such a loud voice on Instagram and other social media accounts. Like it is something to be worried about. Um, specifically with Pizzagate, if you do want to find out more, I listened to a short like 30 minute episode by the people who run Shit You Should Care About on Instagram. They have a podcast called The Shit Show and the episode on Pizzagate is literally just called WTF is Pizzagate. So gives you a good rundown there as well. Also this year, people are believing that Black Lives Matter movement is a mass media distraction and that George Floyd's death was staged to start a race war so that there would be lockdown restrictions in the first place. It sounds so ridiculous just reading this all out. Like you can't, like you wouldn't imagine that thousands and thousands of people actually believe this stuff. Um, so whack. And again, another podcast recommendation is an episode of Reply All and it is called Country of Liars. Um, they really talk about QA, QAnon, sorry, and its origins. And they like interview the founder of 4chan, which was like the site that it kind of started on as well. So such a good, like deep dive if you want to find out more. It is easy to um, minimize them and say, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just like tinfoil hat people. But yeah, when you do have people with more of a platform, you know, anti-vax or et cetera, et cetera, that's when it can get um, unraveled. So in the case of Lonely Laundry as well, when you mix business and your personal beliefs or conspiracy theories, this is the mess that they're in now. So we're going to get a bit more into that. Yeah. And Lonely Lingerie have 377,000 followers on Instagram. So their reach is massive. And it's not even just about QAnon stuff. They actually had a lot of problematic things that happened before this even came about. So for instance, in um, the peak of Black Lives Matter this year, they stayed completely silent, didn't post anything, which, you know, other brands didn't say anything as well. But when their followers would um, post comments questioning this about them, um, they quickly deleted them. And they also did the same when customers questioned whether they were actually size inclusive because Lonely only goes up to a size 16, which is not inclusive really. 
And another thing that the article um, revealed, which I find so off-putting, is that this Instagram is actually run by Steve himself. And he is like a middle-aged white man that's just not who you want looking at your lingerie photos and like having these intimate like maybe conversations and dms maybe about sizing or whatever it is i just feel so icky about that yeah like even if you post something on your story and then tag the brand if they're kind of advertising and marketing themselves as a feminist inclusive label you'd want i'd want a woman like behind the scenes rather than just like a man who's like yep cool let's go um so 13 employees signed a letter to Lonely, some of which read, as a company that has built a brand on and profited from the creative work of many women of color, silencing people's comments and refusing to use a social media platform with such a large reach to condemn racism is completely unacceptable to us. On top of this, the refusal to listen to and engage with your own staff's concerns on the above shows a blatant disregard for your workers. Not only were they deleting comments, not saying anything about Black Lives Matter, but during COVID, they weren't following any of the procedures. And there's evidence in the article from Slack channels where people, where the owner is saying they don't want um, just any old hand sanitizer. It has to be ASAP to do that. Has to be the aesthetic. Yeah, and they were like kind of frowning upon masks and they didn't want to put social distancing in place or have a limit of customer numbers in store. Um, even in the head office, um, the dude Steve, when he would like see people in masks and they had to buy their own like PPE and everything, he would just like shoot them dirty looks and then send off a, like passive aggressive emails afterwards. Gross. So gross. So we would really recommend the article. We are very much skimming over the top of it right now. Um, there's lots of evidence, screenshots, etc. Really good deep dive, amazing journalism. Um, but the th- main crux of it, I think, obviously is conspiracy theories, etc. But also that this brand, they charge like a good amount for like quality lingerie. So they've profited off a lot off of being inclusive and feminist when in reality, they're the opposite. And I think that's really jarring, especially when it's for a woman's, you know, such an, it's an intimate label. Like they're literally called intimates. You know, you want to feel confident and you want to feel sexy and feel yourself. But then when you find out who's behind it, I don't know, I feel really icky about it. Mm, so maybe unpopular opinion. Can we think of any big brands that aren't bad or unethical in some way? You know, I think of um, the wing that came out earlier this year that, um, you know, that female works like co-working space that was very problematic. They had like sexual abuse or sexual assault allegations, as well as just like general racism problems. You know, we think of Glossier who had a very similar problem as well. We've talked about this quite often because it seems like every week a new thing happens. Yeah. No, there are a lot of brands that are doing good stuff. But like um, what? And like everyone has a bad story. Like if you're just working at a retail space, like everyone has a bad story at one place or another. But I think right? that also comes down to the fact that they're selling us a product and society is changing so, so quickly at the moment. If they're trying to sell something, they're always there's always going to be – it's like capitalism, right? If you're mm. trying to sell something, sell someone a product, sell someone a lifestyle, be aspirational – you're not going to cater to everyone, but then I don't know. It's hard because they're just creating more products, right? I get that though, but does that mean this is like 
Tom and I have been having so many heated discussions about this, but basically it doesn't mean then that any pursuit of profit from a business is just bad. Like it's, it will be bad because profit, you know, comes ahead of values or workers or whatever. Like is, uh, I don't believe that because I do think there are good businesses out there, but I just, I don't know. There's fewer far between, I think. And that's something I think, especially with, I don't know, like our generation, I feel like we can get really attached to brands mm. and that kind of like cult following, like Glossier or even Lonely where you're like, you feel a part of the club. Like I definitely buy into that. Mm. And so I think just being aware of it and knowing you're being sold, like you're the product and you're being sold something is something to keep in mind. But I think that there are good brands out there for sure. Mm. Like I just wrote an article this week on small businesses who are doing amazing things at the moment, small Australian brands. So I don't know, I'll link that in the show notes if you want to um, read that. But a lot of the times that's just like one or two women behind it. So they are quite independent. So does it get to a point where you're, you grow so much that you then become unethical? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what I feel. I think there are so many great small businesses and independent designers, especially in Australia, who are totally back. But I do think uh, like mass production in itself is an issue, but also just it gets out of hand and it's harder to control where more issues like seep in and stuff like that. Like if I think about massive like sustainable brands like Patagonia, Everlane, they've all become like on the fire recently as well for like... And Reformation. Oh, and Reformation, good point. See? Yeah, it must be when you get to that certain level, it becomes harder to keep everything to your values, I guess, mm. when you're expanding and especially expanding that quickly, like what happened with the wing. You might have also seen it floating around your feeds this week by Instagram account Slow Mo Fashion made a post this week referencing the article by Ensemble and they asked, what do we do with the clothing of brands that have fallen from grace? And I think... The crux of the post was that we should continue wearing them. With lonely lingerie, it's easy because they're lingerie or, you know, loungewear. So you can wear it in your house. You're not wearing like a giant T-shirt around the streets. Just because they may have been called out and you don't want to support them any longer doesn't mean that you should just automatically throw them in the bin to prove a point you know because that's still product. Oh yeah that's an interesting one and I agree that with like lingerie that's bit easier because it's not you I mean I don't think you're going to be wearing a a full-on set just naked in public you know (laughs) that's all in public (laughs) but I'm thinking of oh I can't think of any brands in like particular but like if a brand if a big brand name became like highly problematic I don't think I would want to wear like their massive brand name splashed across my chest as a slogan because we are our like we are their billboards now like people who wear the clothes are the marketing tools and especially like if you're posting online with that it's almost like saying hey I support this brand so that's where it kind of gets murky but I agree you shouldn't just like chuck out clothes because that's obviously so wasteful but it's kind of interesting to think about another brand that has been called out very recently so recent that this picture is about three hours old on instagram aretha brown also known as enter the dragon on instagram has posted pictures of her own indigenous art which is black and white drawings of cityscapes it's really beautiful um she posted a few examples and it looks like gorman australia have been either taken or been very heavily influenced by her designs and made a collection with them 
Yeah, so it's so disappointing to see that a massive, massive fashion brand here in Australia has been kind of called out for stealing the work of a young Indigenous artist. Um, They have been under fire for doing things similar like this before as well. So this isn't a one-off instance either. Gorman are yet to respond and maybe by the time you hear this they will have but it's just such poor form to steal from any designer let alone a young Indigenous artist given the events of this year. Aretha has just added an update to the caption saying that all of the designs that were quote-unquote inspired by her work have now been put on sale so that the product is moved faster and they can still make a profit of it. So a lot of people in the comments of Aretha's posts have been tagging both Diet Prada, the fashion call-out page, and Gorman themselves, which is interesting to note because I feel like Diet Prada have become such like a staple in the fashion industry this year. Fashion brands should know by now that if you steal something, you're going to get caught out. Fashion has always been political, but I think in like the landscape of social media it becomes more accessible for others like normal consumers to partake in this conversation so i guess we'll see what happens over the coming days with aretha we are just going off what she has said on instagram obviously we're taking the word of a independent indigenous artist over a big corporation like gorman so we'll see what happens very disappointing especially considering that you know post-covid or slash we're still in covid a lot of designers and artists are already struggling and then to mm. get your own artwork, you know, either influenced or inspired to make thousands of dollars off is just really wrong. My bet is that Gorman will not make a statement or anything, but they will quietly remove the garments of the website because I don't think they're going to be accountable for their actions because that means that they did something wrong and they'd have to admit to that. And I don't see that happening, but let's hope I eat my own words and let's hope this is resolved nicely. Mm. So this expose by Ensemble was huge in the fashion industry this week and our thoughts really go out to the staff mostly because I can't imagine like working in a place that is seen as so aspirational yet you know that you're not being treated correctly um they don't care about people of color they don't really care about whether they're size inclusive or not they're literally using you and your values to make a profit Um, And also not feeling safe at work with COVID. I feel like that's just Mm. so, so wrong. Yeah, so many workers, I guess, rightfully quit this year as well. And it really... It really sucks because I think a lot of focus when we talk is um, let's hope garment workers are being taken care of. And, of course, that is so important. But sometimes we also forget, I guess, retail workers in this instance because it can be a horrible – like there are so many toxic workplaces out there. I think everyone has a friend who has a story or something. So, yeah, hope these workers are going okay now and especially that there's more, I guess, um, like media attention on this issue as well. Fingers crossed change happens. What do you think will happen? Do you think that they'll quietly slink away or do you think they'll make a statement? Do you think they'll sell the company? Like how are they going to resolve this? They're going to have to do something. Like they can't just ignore it. Um, What I would love is for them to step down, but don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Do you have any clue? No idea. In the end of the article, they say that they've just moved to America Mm -hmm. during COVID. Wild. From from the safest place in the world to the most dangerous. 
they've just moved to the US and they're trying to open up a new store, but it's been quiet for months because obviously no one is really working so much over there. So who knows? The comments on the Instagram are wild mm. at the moment. Rightfully so. Many, many people saying they're never shopping with them again. You know, they're so disappointed, which is all very valid. So yeah, they haven't posted. Let's check. Yeah. And the thing is, there's just so many incredible designers and independent brands out there, especially from New Zealand. They're like top of the game. I've really loved New Zealand fashion. So I feel like, you know, there's so many other places to put our money that doesn't go to climate deniers and conspiracy theorists. So yeah. Yeah, they haven't. It's been quiet over there for ten days, so maybe by the time this goes live, something else will have happened. But who knows? But we're keeping an eye on you. We both have film recommendations this week, but before we get into our own recommendations, you went and saw Happy Season last week, and I would love to know your thoughts because we haven't spoken about this yet. Oh, I know. I went to the cinemas last night, and it was like gold class seats as well. So it was just so bougie and I had the time of my life um and that was like without even considering the movie <laughs> you know I just enjoyed being in that atmosphere but oh my goodness I really enjoyed Happier Season I found it so enjoyable it wasn't like a cliche Christmas movie I found um the issues that they did deal with um it was a bit heavier than I did think at times it was quite intense and you know talking about coming out or being in the closet or how families react with LGBT issues and stuff like that um but I loved it I really enjoyed it it was a really beautiful watch and also I think being in the cinema as well and like having people laugh with you at moments it just made it so special yeah what a special movie to be the first one to see out of lockdown that also made me really like Kristen Stewart as well I was never like a hater or whatever but never got into Twilight and stuff but I really liked her in that film I think she did great I hate her girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) yeah we won't I was gonna say who she should have um what should have happened but we won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet but yeah I feel the same way and that's what I was trying to reference last week yeah you're like she gaslights and that's all you kind of said but I was like oh my god she's not worthy but yeah Riley's from um Parks and Recs isn't she Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so funny seeing her in like a more serious role um she was great though yeah Aubrey Plaza yeah she's beautiful Okay, so with that, our little review of a review, let's get into our recommendations. What are you going to recommend to us this week? Yeah, so I'm recommending a movie that I've rewatched a few times. I think I rewatched it for the third or fourth time this week, and it is One Day. So this is like a 2011 romantic comedy based on the book by David Nichols, which I love. I love this book so much. It's a beautiful, like, sprawling love story that's, um, I think he's British. Oh, no, or it's set in England or whatever. I love, like, British novels. I don't know what I'm saying. It's <laughs> <Just>, like quaint. Um <laughs> except it's like it's funny because like I love like modern like British like contemporary things but then I'm like period things I'm like fuck off (laughs) I'm like I hate it I hate like I hate the I hate it like like Pride and Prejudice type vibes like remember when we were talking about um Enola Holmes I was just Mm. like stop (laughs) I don't care for it is that just because like you don't feel represented yeah it just feels like I think like almost like another world like it just I'm uh, just like the way they speak like even the theme just like everything I mean this is such a big generalization I'm sure I'd love some things but just in general it's a era that doesn't yeah I guess respond to me like that doesn't really Mm. relate to my life maybe 
Fair. Yeah. I mean, it also doesn't relate to math. <laughs> puffy puffy yeah. dresses and my corsets. my normal life. I am wearing yeah. a kind of uh, Renaissance puffy dress today. Yeah. yeah. In like gingham, like puffy sleeves one. You could be like a pagan, like a peasant. <laughs> You're a peasant. Okay, so it's not a period drama, but it's a British contemporary film. Yes, and it basically follows two best friends across 18 years, and it tracks where they are every single year on one same day, which is July 15th. Um, And it stars Anne Hathaway and this guy called Jim Sergis. I forgot to mention with you, one of my, like, worst traits is that I'm really bad with, like, celebrities and actors, as you know, but when people are like, oh, yeah, it's got this person in it, I'm like, 90% 90% of the time don't know who it is like half the time when you're doing your recommendations I'm like <laughs> until you see their face yeah yeah until I see their face I think yeah have you seen this or read this by the way no my mom's put it on the Netflix list and every mm. few nights she's like oh we should watch this and I'm just scared because I feel like I'm gonna bore my eyes out like did someone die I feel like someone's gonna die or something and it's gonna be awful it's such a good movie. And yes, I did bawl my eyes out. <laughs> Do you ever take selfies when you cry? I, my, my whole camera roll is filled. I do not. That's the main character energy. But like, okay, seriously, you have to watch this. I think it's okay. Actually, it got two stars on Rotten Tomatoes, but that was because it was like, it doesn't compare to the books, but it never compares oh. to the books. Um, no, must watch for rom com lovers. It's a beautiful story and. Like, I love it. It's something that I'll keep revisiting, like, every few years, to be honest. My one of those is um, About Time. (gasps) Yes, that is one of mine. That's one of mine as well. It's kind of similar vibes. Oh, my God. I love About Time. I cry every time. We watched it, like, maybe a month ago, and then we watched Mm. it again, show my dad, and I sobbed, like, Mm. literally sobbed the other day my mom had to come and give me a hug I reckon that's like probably like my favorite Rachel McAdams thing as well oh it's the best I'm gonna rewatch it soon like you know when you kind of actually you didn't but when you leave a film or a book um to simmer so you can kind of watch it again and it being kind of new does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah. my simmer time is like done so I can running out yeah Another one, oh my god, this is just going to be like a rom com wreck. Um, is P.S. I Love You? Have you seen that? Yeah. So f- when I watched it, it read more as like a like Nicholas Sparks, like quite like a romance heavy one. Oh, okay, I need to rewatch. I'm so sorry. Wait, you tell me why you love it. Well, it, it's a book originally by Cecilia Ahern. It is very like romantic and it is kind of corny, but I love it. It's got Hilary Swank in it and Gerard Butler, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, that's another one where I cry like every time, no matter how many years it's been. Yeah, it is a good one. So moving on from contemporary rom-coms to my recommendation this week which is another film except it's a cult art house film from 1971 it's called Harold and Maud have you seen it no 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 tell me about it so this week between work and helping my family move apartments I haven't really had time to like consume anything new so last night enough the first night in the new place we put on a DVD. Oh, my God. We, like, went through all the DVDs, like, old school. Oh, cute. Because we had no internet. We had to go back to the olden times. Um, and we selected this one, which is kind of like a family classic in our house. It was made in 1971. 
And it follows the story of a depressed 20-year-old Harold who comes from a wealthy family and he constantly fakes suicide attempts to get attention from his mother. You find out why later on in the movie. Mm. I won't spoil it. But at some point, he meets 80-year-old Maud, who was a Nazi concentration camp survivor who is just completely in love with life. She's just like full of life, full of energy, and she's also an environmentalist before it was like the trendy thing to do. I was saying to my dad, like if everyone was like her in the 70s, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in now. But anyway, they become really good friends and Maud teaches Harold all about what life can be because he's so young and he's like, I hate life. And she kind of gives him some perspective and it's just really, really beautiful. The soundtrack is by Cat Stevens and it's just a heartwarming story. I think everyone should watch it because it's so true and it really is shows what life should be about, in my opinion, um, not getting too bogged down and holding on to things so much. Um, I will put a trigger on this recommendation though because it shows quite a few depictions of fake suicides so if you're sensitive to that kind of thing you know maybe this isn't for you but um as I'm describing this it does sound quite strange um I'll put a little bit of a snippet in here so you can get a vibe of what it's like what the script is like I should like to change into a sunflower most of all they're so tall and simple what flower would you like to be? I don't know. One of these, maybe? Why do you say that? Because they're all alike. Oh, but they're not. Look, see. Some are smaller, some are fatter. Some grow to the left, some to the right. Some even have lost some petals. All kinds of observable differences. You see, Harold, I feel that much of the world's sorrow comes from people who are this yeah allow themselves to be treated as that and i also don't know where you can find it on streaming services i haven't looked it up get but, on um, dvd get a video easy or blockbusters the one remaining one in like australia yeah but um yeah if you're looking for like an old school film i would recommend that it's a bit different mm. yeah it sounds life affirming um despite the themes anyway um, so yeah, that sounds really lovely. And I love the name of it. I think it's very cute. And it's just like, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Like, Maggie and Jasmine. <laughs> so, seems like that is all we have time for today. But tune in next week, because we are going to have a very special guest chatting about some exciting things. And after that, we actually have our inaugural Culture Club Christmas party. And guess what? You're invited, but not really. <laughs> Just you'll be in the podcast app. But for now, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye bye.